Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 60 of the 100 Foot Jesus podcast. That is 60 episodes um, we have recorded for you guys. Today's episode is one that's a bit personal, uh, but um, I think highly needed. Uh, this episode is about people that live with um, doubt, fear, anxiety, and depression. And statistically, um, you guys probably know that most of us, that's us. Um, a whole lot of us. I remember one day I did a, uh, uh, Instagram poll about, you know, when people feel anxiety, you know, and one of the questions was, uh, when do you feel anxiety most? And, um, about 90% of people said nighttime. And, uh, when you follow up with people and you said, you know, cause I like to follow up with people when they select things, you know, and they said, well, it's because at night, that's when I think about my day. I think about everything that happened, and then I worry about what's going to happen the next day. It's like that sandwich in between the just happened and the even worse, right? The, well, here's what might happen. And so that fear and anxiety rests within us. Um, many of us, when it comes to fear and anxiety and and um, depression, we we don't get treated for it. Obviously, um, many of us don't, uh, it's like, um, well, I'm a millennial, right? And, um, so the generation before us says, you know, often we're weak. We're the ones who care so much about mental health when so many of the generation behind us had it. I mean, we had PTSD, of course, but so many men, because I can only speak from the man's perspective, uh, where the breadwinners of the family never got to see their kids. You know, they worked all the long hours in sales and, and, and factory working and just driving and traveling and all these different things like that, all these hours upon hours upon hours. And then, you know, when they got home back then, it was really popular to be a part of a lodge or some sort of men's group. So they didn't see their kids a ton. But and and they kind of had this mentality about them that if I fail, all of this falls apart. And it's a generation after us. And me as a pastor, I, I've got to sit with men quite a bit older than me and realize how much anxiety and depression they felt, but they never felt like they were allowed to say it out loud. Like a mental health day would have been impossible, you know, for the generation before me. I'm in my late 30s. And now mental health day is something that typically if you have, if you have this kind of boss and you say, Hey, I need to take a mental health day. Your boss is happy for you that you're going to do that because it refreshes you and has you ready to go. Also, when I went through this Instagram poll with people and a lot of people respond and Instagram polls, people almost always vote on. It's hard to avoid a poll, isn't it? Um, I asked, I said this question, do the people closest to you know that you battle anxiety and or depression? And um, sadly enough, about 71% of the people that were polled said no. The people closest to me do not know I battle anxiety and depression. Um, some of them were people that were really close to me, and I was surprised they do. There's a lot of reasons why these, this is a thing we don't talk about. Sometimes we worry about this horrible word that we throw out being called crazy. You're crazy. You have mental health issues, things, you know, like, like, you know, you're, you're nuts or you're weak. We don't want to be considered weak, but here's the deal. And we're going to go over this today. You are weak. Did you know that? 
Maybe if you're driving by yourself right now, you got your kids in the car. Just say that to yourself real quick. I am weak. I have weakness. The difficult part about, um, you know, raising young kids is uh, I try to get them to not be weak. And when I say not be weak, I've blown it, guys. I've I've, I've had them misinterpret what I mean. It's okay to cry. It's okay to sit in something and feel it. In our society, we don't do that, right? We binge watch instead of realize about the breakup we had or the the abandonment we're feeling or the betrayal. We we busy ourselves with nonsense so we don't have to feel anything. I don't mind when my kids cry. I don't mind when they show emotion. When I say I don't mind, it's not that just I tolerate it. I think it's awesome. But I warn them. There will be people that see your signs of weakness and they will attempt to walk all over you the rest of your life. But weakness is good. When we know we're weak, that means we don't think we're all about everything. When we when we sit in our weakness and we think that and 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 we realize that man, we do not have it all together, that is a freeing thing that you're going to live with. It's freeing and it's it opens you up to so much more to know you have a weakness like for instance you're not going to compare yourself to other people when you realize that you can't possibly figure all this out on your own you're not going to think that person has a better job a better spouse don't say that out loud um, better kids don't say that out loud better home better car um, pastors what about the person who has a bigger ministry bigger church than you uh, their church, their on Pastors Appreciation Month, their church went insane for their guy, and yours literally didn't even know it was Pastor Appreciation Month. Which, by the way, if that's true, who cares? Like, literally, we don't need a Appreciation Month. I don't think in the Book of Acts there's a lot of Pastors Appreciation Month going on. Those guys were getting murdered for the cause. So let's not pretend that it's that we need our, you know, we need our Best Buy gift card just because we do this thing. Our thanks is not going to come in this life, right? We know that. And that's true for a lot of us. But you're, but knowing you're weak is going to help. But here's the deal about knowing you're weak. It means you're not going to have it figured out. It means that you can't have the pride that your opinion's right all the time. You know, my opinion's correct. The news source I watch, they're the right ones. Everybody else is a liar. Or the way I interpret the Bible is right and everyone else is so wrong. That's not a bad perspective to have because if, I would hope you would think that what you believe about Scripture is true. But it's okay to leave yourself open to the fact that I'm kind of weak-minded. I easily trust a pastor that's a really good preacher. <laughs> and man, they make it sound like they're really right. I've, I've had that happen to me. You know, I've, I've had a pastor I really respect. And then I read the Scriptures for myself and I realize they made that up. Or their life experience interpreted this. But that's not what this text even says at all. So anyway, I digress. But today we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of your fear and your anxiety. Now, if you listen to this show much, you know that <clears throat> through these 60 episodes we've had, I have shared my weakness. I've shared the fact that I have anxiety. I've suffered through depression. I've been on medication in the past. I've... I've uh, I've taken the stress gummies that you get, you know, in any Target. Um, I, uh, you know, I take some, I put, make some magnesium tea for stress, things like that. 
I've done that. I've saw, I've seen a counselor. I spent 2019 in counseling with a Christian counselor that helped me understand what my life is like, what my life isn't like. Today, I'm going to share with you guys something I learned from Christian counseling that I think is so incredibly golden, valuable, everyone should know. And it's Psalm 103. The Psalms, for me, in my relationship with God, bring me so much calm and peace. There's reasons for that. I feel like the Psalms are awesome because not only are they prayers, not only are they songs, not only are they like a wartime journal, but also we really kind of don't know when they took place. I mean, typically, if if it says, well, this happened during David's time of this, that's kind of made up because we don't really know. We just infer it based upon some of the things he mentioned, but he could be remembering back to those times. It's not that he's writing them right then, or maybe even he's thinking about what those times will be like, and he's writing about those. So we don't really know when these things take place in David or Moses or someone else who's written this psalm. We don't really know. So um, now, in the idea of you feeling like you're, you're anxious and this next thing might happen, and what if people think this of me, that of me, this, that of me, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 103 this morning. Psalm 103. Uh, we're going to go verse by verse through this, kind of like we did last week. And I'm going to read from the CSB, and it goes like this. My soul, bless the Lord. In all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord. And do not forget all his benefits. When he says, my soul, that is your everything. Your soul is eternal. That's how we understand it, is that after you die, you guys, you, you, you all, your house could blow up right now and your soul didn't get destroyed. Your soul is your eternal part of you. And it says, my soul bless the Lord. All those within me bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. Meaning don't forget all that comes with this. Like, don't forget all that comes with having a relationship with the one true God. Now, let's go to the part where you're not awesome. This is great. Uh, Verse 3. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. Verse 5. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. He satisfies you. He completes you. You're so upset that your your wife or your husband's not completing you. That's not their job. You're putting them in a role they're not supposed to have. You're so upset that your addiction isn't completing you that when you log on and you look at pornography or you drink or you do drugs or you, you're constantly addicted to, to social media likes and shares and and you're so upset that that's not completing you, that that's like this well you keep digging and it just keeps going forever and there's no buried treasure at the bottom. It's because he satisfies you with good things. He does. That's God's place. He completes you. Jerry Maguire was wrong. She doesn't complete him. And if he, by the way, you ever notice that in Jerry Maguire, if he kept thinking that Renee Zellweger's character was going to complete him, that marriage was going to end in a dumpster fire. She's not going to complete him. She can't. There's so many ways she can't fulfill him. Number one, 
she's a sinner and so is he and sinners can't complete sinners only god can do that verse 6 the lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed who is the one that executes the justice for the oppressed is the lord but man i have so many enemies like what about that other political party or what about antifa what about black lives matter what about what what about the proud boys what 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 about the kkk what about all these different groups they are there for the, the the oppressed from everyone's perspective the oppressed but god's the one who has justice for the oppressed god is god's the one who does what's a great story from that moses moses cries the people of god are in egypt and they're crying out because they're in slavery and god calls moses Verse 7, he reveals his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. God is the one who ceases oppression. If you feel like there's real oppression around you, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your school, maybe in your home, maybe in your country, maybe whatever it is, don't think that that the people that are protesting are going to do that. Which, by the way, I believe in protesting. Protesting is amazing. A peaceful protest is so powerful. And by the way, if someone's protesting against something you hate and you don't like the way they're protesting, you're not supposed to. It's a protest. That's how this works. But it says God is the one who brings justice for the oppressed. Our prayers, our following after the Bible, being faithful to Scripture, when we do that, we are bringing justice for the oppressed. God will not be mocked. God, it says, vengeance is his. We pray against and for our enemies. Um, verse 9, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not accuse us or be angry forever. Does God have wrath? Yes. Is God's wrath quenched when we are saved and adopted in his kingdom? Yes. He will not accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. When you constantly are worried about if you're awesome or not, read verse 10. He says, he, God doesn't give you the punishment you deserve. He doesn't repay you for what you've done. Imagine all the sins you commit against God if he repays all that back at you. Like, imagine this. We're constantly thinking when, in our worst faith moments of, why is God doing this to me? What are you doing to him? Like, like, what are you doing to him right now? If he repaid anything you do to him, would you want to worship that God? Because he says he doesn't. He doesn't repay you for what you deserve. That's what kind of God he is. He's long-suffering. He keeps being irritated by you, irritated by you, but he doesn't punish you. Yet. Or not always. Sometimes he will. Verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. That's not just a healthy respect, ladies and gentlemen. That's a fear. That's a being terrified of God. When angels show up in scripture, people fall down as though dead. That causes an earthquake. And that's only because they've been in the presence of the one true God. 
you fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. I never understood that until I realized the east and the west don't really get to touch. They are completely separated. And your sins to him are as far as the east is from the west. Think of your sins. Think of the things that cause you so much misery, the sins you commit, the lifestyle you can't break, you, whatever it is, what is your whatever your sin thing is. God says, well, that's as far as the east is from the west when you're my children. Verse 13, as far as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. He doesn't forget your dust. Now, when I say dust, what, what, what do we mean by that? Well, think back. The first human, Adam, who, by the way, betrays God. The first human, Adam, was made from dust. And it says, man, he remembers your dust. Scientists now say, well, you're made of nothing but stardust. And God says, you're just now finding that out? <laughs> he says, for we know, he knows what we are made of and remembers that we are dust. We are extremely temporary. Verse 15 as for man, his days are like the grass. He blooms like a flower of the field, and when the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and his place is no longer known. Saying, man, we are temporary. We are temporary. No one is going to remember your name 50 years after you die. They, they, they'll see a picture, and they'll be like, who the heck is that? Ah, it doesn't really matter, but look at his stupid clothes. That's basically what you're going to be. <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think about? Verse 17, but, the, but from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him and his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember and observe his precepts. Those who observe what he's done, man. He, from eternity to eternity, he has love towards you love. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Verse 19, right? His kingdom rules over all. You ever notice in election time, if our candidate's going to lose, will God still on the throne? That's ridiculous to say, by the way, because of course he's on the throne. He's on the throne in July too, not just election time. But he says, the kingdom established his throne in heaven. It rules over all. God rules over all. There's no earthly leader, celebrity, thinker, influencer that can be over God. There's silliness compared to him. He rules over all. Even when you think the world's getting at its worst, none of it's a surprise to him. It's not chaos to him. It's just the way 2020 is because he always knew that. Verse 20, bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word obedient to his command. They do his word. What to us is his word? It's scripture. He says, bless the angels who do his word. Do we do scripture? Do we hear scripture and do? Are you constantly chasing that compliment, that validation? When you realize that maybe you can realize that if you're doing his word, none of that matters. In fact, the popular opinion about God's probably never going to be right. Look at the Christian bestseller list um, of any week, like ever. A lot of it's bullcrap. A lot of it's self-help nonsense, end times nonsense. 
um, celebrity, cool guy nonsense. It has very little to do with what scripture actually is. So popular opinion is really not going to matter, is it? Do his word. Do scripture. Be faithful to that and just leave it be. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Now verse 22. Bless the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. When we feel fear, when we feel anxiety, why can't we just read Psalm 103? Maybe over and over and over. And think that if God is this great, if God holds the world in his hand, if God still loves us and doesn't repay our evil for, for more evil, what are we so upset about? I have a book recommendation for you guys today. Um, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen. I've mentioned Jenny's podcast before on here, Made for This. It's my favorite podcast. And I, because she interviews so many different people that talk to the emotions of the believer. And it's not self-help. It's literally relying on the Lord like Psalm 103 tells you to do. To sit back and know that he is God. So if you struggle with anxiety, depression, pick up um, a copy of Jenny Allen's Get Out of Your Head and listen to her made for this podcast. It'd be so freeing and good for you. I thank you guys. And I know that when we talk about anxiety, sometimes it's the beginning of a conversation that you'll listen to this episode, you'll go through it, you'll process it, and then you'll want someone to talk to. Can it be me? Would you, would you just reach out to me? My contact information is going to be on anywhere you listen to these podcasts. I would love to have a personal conversation with you, a phone conversation, a messaging conversation, whatever you're most comfortable with, just to talk about what is your fears? What is your anxiety? Because you need to talk it through with somebody. I know for me, if I'm not in the word, I'll never get it figured out. Now, long conversations with my wife about what I'm worried about helps a lot. Long conversations with, with some really good friends of mine helps a lot. Lots of prayer helps a lot. But scripture that puts me in my place to understand that, man, I'm just not going to have this figured out, that is healing for me. So read and reread Psalm 103 today. Play on your audio Bible version of you version if you want to. Read it in different translations if you want to. But understand and own this scripture. It's been so healing for me, and I pray it's going to be healing for you. Anyway, guys, um, that is today's episode. I hope you have an awesome day. And please, again, if this is the beginning of a conversation with you, please reach out. Love you guys. Stay safe.